Amen, amen. So welcome. You guys can take a seat. So I'm not preaching. I'm introducing my friend who is preaching. So in a moment, I'm going to introduce Temi, and then you guys are going to go nuts when he walks up, okay? But before we do that, a couple different reasons why we are excited about having Temi Abaje join Salt St. Paul staff team. One is because he's really tall, so he, like, balances me out, and I'm never doing announcements with him, ever, okay? The second reason, that wasn't nearly as funny because you actually haven't seen him yet. So, okay, it would have been funnier if he stood up here. He's like 6'4", whatever. Okay. He's actually 6'2", but I think he's like 6'6", in my mind, and it's very dis discomforting. Um, second reason why we're hiring Temi is because he actually has a huge heart for doing justice and mercy ministry. And one of the things that we have a hope for is that, yes, eight campuses would be reached in the city of St. Paul, but actually the people of God would leverage their lives for the good of the gospel and for the good of the city. And so he's hopefully going to be starting partnerships with schools like St. Paul Central, with homeless shelters like Union Gospel Mission, and helping us mobilize our own bodies and our own hearts towards the city of St. Paul to be for the good of the campus and for the good of the city. So, Temi, I love you, man. I respect you a ton. And give it up for Temi Abaje. All right. Do you get it now? You know, it's sad. It's sad for everyone. Okay. You guys really don't care that he, okay, anyways. It's funny for me. Anyways, excited to have Temi here. Excited to learn from him as he teaches on Galatians 2. Let me pray for Temi as we get into the message today. Father, pray that you would speak through my friend Temi, that you would show his heart for people, you would show his heart for you in Galatians 2, that in his weakness your power would be made perfect, and he would preach with faith and courage that the word of God will not go out, come back void, and the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. Thankful for my friend, Temi, and thankful for this night. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah, I brought my water bottle up here because Tony told me good preachers bring up water bottles and mention them in their sermons. I'm just kidding. Only half the room understood that joke. <laughs> um, what's up, guys? My name is Temi Agbaje. Um, some things about me. I am actually, I was born in Nigeria, raised in Iowa, and now live in Minneapolis. Um, my wife and I moved here actually about a little over a month ago. June 4th was a specific day. So we're really happy to be here. We've been praying for you guys, and we're excited to be a part of what's going on at um, St. Paul. So tonight, we're going to go through Galatians 2, 15 through 21. Um, but before that, I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. How many of you guys have done track? A handful of you. Wow. All right. Well, I did track all four years, and let me tell you, I sucked. <laughs> um, I was not very good. But for some reason, my senior year of high school, I ended up just kicking in stride, specifically in the long jump arena. Anyone here done long jump? Yeah? Okay. handful of you. Um, and I, I don't know what it was, but I made it to what is considered sectionals here. Um, and just completely dropped the ball. Did not make it at all. Um, and that would have been like the pinnacle of my athletic career. <laughs> um, and so what's the point of me telling you this story? Um, this, this is a picture of what life tends to look like um, for me and you. We've all experienced a number of disappointments due to not being qualified. And there's a weight that comes with that. We can often feel like failures and that anything we do will end up just not going well. A series of not being qualified enough for either your dream school. Uh, maybe some of you guys tried out for the sports team and didn't make it. Um, your dream job or the approval of others. I spent my whole life 
wrestling with what it meant to be qualified. Um, and a large part of that had to do with the fact that I didn't grow up with a father. My father died in a car accident when I was four. And so I sought the approval of men in my life, specifically when it came to my coaches. I love sports. Uh, I love sports and was very active. And um, I really worked hard to hear that good job on Broadway from my coaches. Um, this affected every part of my life. Um, this also affected my identity as I grew up in a predominantly white space where I was consistently told I wasn't black because I didn't perpetuate what my white friends thought a black person had to be. This ended up manifesting itself in me and struggling to understand who God created to me, created me to be. Can I be a black person and a Christian, or was that to be separate? Because of my childhood, I've, been, I've spent my whole life striving to be qualified in the eyes of others. There's a reason I'm sharing this with you guys. Despite the fact that we experience those things, here's what's so beautiful about being a Christian. You don't have to fight for qualifications. Jesus is what makes us qualified, and that's the main point of tonight, guys, is that Jesus is what makes us qualified. And so our first point that we're going to be looking at is your goodness doesn't qualify you. And the verses that we'll be focusing on primarily will be verses 15 through 16. So if you haven't opened up, go ahead, take some time to do that, um, and I'll go ahead and read it. We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Now, it may come off that Paul here is saying only Gentiles can be sinners, but that's actually not what he's saying at all, because later on in verse 17, we see he says, but if we ourselves are also to be sinners. Paul is doing a couple things here. Um, he's first acknowledging their cultural heritage, and two, calling them out for acting like Jews were better people and were doing the right stuff to follow God and treating the Gentiles like they were less than because they were basically saying Gentiles are the worst. Um, Jewish Christians during this time had an arrogance and pride about being Jews culturally, traditionally, and in practice. Here are a couple ways we see how people would have been tempted or were believing that who they were and what they did would qualify them. So, a little history lesson for y'all. Um, the Jewish in the Jewish heritage, um, they believed because they actually were God's chosen people. Um, so the Jews believed that, and they thought that is what being Jew was what won them God's favor. Um, they completely misunderstood why God chose to make a covenant with them. He didn't, chose them. he didn't choose them because they were Jews. He chose them because he loved them. Um, and so <coughs> um, Paul also makes it clear that their works don't actually save them or make them Christians either. Their works and religious observance so this were another way they showed that they were qualified. They would have believed that following the law, also known as the Ten Commandments, would have made them right with God. All these things would have been observed under the Ten Commandments that traditionally and culturally the Jews would have followed. But Paul makes it clear here that the law does not make them justified. 
And the way I want you guys to think about justification is conceptually, I'm not going to give you the exact definition, but I'm going to give you the concept of justification. Justification is just as if you had not committed a sin. Um, and then I also want you to think of righteousness as being right with God. And so, pre what I said here, all these things would have been observed under the Ten Commandments that traditionally and culturally Jews would have followed. But Paul makes it clear here that the law does not make them justified, but having faith in Jesus does. Why does it matter that I just took five minutes to explain what the Jews, how the Jews would have understand their relationship with God? It's because the Jews believe they were in the family of God because of how they grew up, and we tend to think the same thing. A lot, some of us here grew up in Christian homes, did the Christian thing, and believe that because we grew up in a Christian home and our family is Christian, that we all of a sudden are Christian. This, my friends, is a giant lie. At some point, I mean, Christianity is not something that just is handed down generation by generation. It's something that you have to actually yourself put your faith in Jesus. And at some point, guys, you will wrestle with this if you haven't already. Am I just going through the motions or am I doing this because I actually believe in God? <clears throat> if Paul were here today, he would tell you that going to church camp, going to church, reading your Bible, praying, or being involved in your church is not what makes you a Christian. Putting your faith in Jesus does. Are those things bad? By no means am I saying that doing those things is a bad thing. In fact, they are great things. But they are not requirements to become believers. They are there to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. The other reason they strive to follow the law was because they thought that they would get God's love and favor. This was problematic because the Jews knew better than anyone else what the law entailed. That no one could live to the law's expectations. Um, the law required perfection, and no one could fulfill that but Jesus. Um, they were completely missing the point, just like we do. Just like the Jews, we think doing good or religious things will make, us, make God love us. But the truth is, he already does, and works do not and cannot win God's favor. Why? Because Jews, because Jesus was the only one to fulfill the law and did it on our behalf so that we can be justified and seen as righteous. Does that mean Paul is saying that we should disregard the law? No. The law actually exposes each and every one of us of our sins. It shows that we are not perfect people, um, but the law and the law can't save us. And in the words of Tony Waterbottle Lee, that's funny. Um, it's, uh, it's writing checks it can't cash. It has expectations that you can't fulfill and are not expected to. That's why putting our faith in Jesus is so important. He lived the life we couldn't live and died a death we all deserve so that we could be with our Heavenly Father. We've all done group projects, at least most of us have. And if you're an incoming freshman, they suck. Like, they sound great on paper, but they really suck. Because it's, some of you guys know what I'm talking about, but like, usually it's one or two people in the group, maybe it's the entire group that doesn't do the work, and 
one or maybe the rest of the group, and it's just that one person who doesn't do the work, does the work, and then, you know, it comes time to turn in the paper, you turn in the paper, and, you know, that person, actually a day before the project is due, the person comes out of the woodwork and is like, yay, uh, I think this would be a great add to the paper, and, uh, you know, um, and, uh, <laughs> and obviously you turn it in, they get a great grade for doing absolutely nothing. The point is, what Jesus did for us is like the one person doing all the work for the project and the other person getting all the credit. In this case, Jesus has done all the work, and he's wanting to give you the credit. He's like, guys, I know I did all the work, but this was great. I love you guys. Let's go celebrate, you know. Um, here's why this matters. Your goodness doesn't qualify you, and that's a great thing because we aren't good. And if we had to work in order to be qualified, it would fall short every time. However, Jesus is amazing at being good because that's who he is. He's perfect. He, we have freedom in him and are now able to worship the one who is good. At this point, you may be saying, okay, I don't need to be good because Jesus is, but I still have a lot of shame from the sin I commit. So let's go ahead to point two. Um, point two is your sinfulness doesn't disqualify you. We're going to be reading 17 through 21 for this one. But if we ourselves are found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Jesus, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. For this, verse, or for this point, we'll be focusing primarily on verses 17 and 20, as they help summarize the rest of the passage and are essentially the climax and resolution for the whole passage. So what is Paul saying to the Galatians here? Let's break that down. He's basically asking a rhetorical question that the Jews would have been asking and we are asking at this point. If we are still sinners and wrestle with pornography, maybe checking out girls or guys on Instagram or any kind of social media platform, thinking lustful thoughts, our pride, arrogant, wrestle with jealousy, greed, etc., how can we be justified by Christ? Like, what is the significance of Jesus if I'm wrestling with the fight against sin and shame? Y'all, this is one of the tensions of the Christian life. Knowing you are saved through Jesus, but still living in a broken reality and dealing with the sin in your life. There is a truth that we need to remind ourselves when we wrestle with this. I'm here tonight to remind you of this truth. The reality is we will continue to struggle with sin for the rest of our lives. But sin does not have the final say and does not have power over you. I'm going to repeat that again because someone needed to hear this. Sin does not have the final say and does not have power over you. That should be a weight off your shoulders. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, you are now qualified to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. 
In verse 20, we see why. So let's go ahead and read that. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, this is the climax of the whole chapter. Because Jesus was, has taken your place, it is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. Why that matters is because I no longer have to live a life of bondage to my sin and shame. In Christ, there is freedom from all the sin that has been weighing you down. You are no longer defined as a disqualified person. I am no longer defined by, my, by the sin I commit and the shame I feel. I am defined by the identity God has given me through Jesus, which is righteous and justified. There's a quote by a good friend of mine, and some of you guys might know him. His name is Saul Rexius. He says this, The devil knows your name and calls you by your sin, but God knows your sin and calls you by your name. I'm going to share that again. The devil knows your name and calls you by your sin, but God knows your sin and calls you by your name. It's not like God has forgotten that we are sinful people. It's that because he sees Christ in us, we have a new name and a new identity. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does this mean? It means that because of Jesus, the punishment you deserve has been taken care of and we are covered with grace. I want to paint a picture for you guys. We've all worked in some kind of work. Oh, wow, that was loud. Uh, we've all worked in some kind of work environment, right? Um, so I had the privilege of having an internship with a transportation company and was given a very high job. Um, I was given one of our million-dollar customers. I don't know why they gave that to an intern, but they did. And they said, you literally can't screw this up. Like, if you screw this up, we lose one of our highest-paying customers. And I had, I think, been at this job for, like, maybe a year at this point. Um, no experience doing this. And, you know, long story short, I ended up screwing up. Big. <laughs> like, I walk in, and I tell my boss what happened, and he's like, Temi, this isn't good. And I said, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> And so, like, I get in my car. I'm bawling. I'm like, crap, I'm going to lose my job. And, yeah, the company's going to hate me. But long story short, what ends up happening is my boss ended up actually – um, taking care of it all. We ended up losing a lot of money, but not millions of dollars, just hundreds and thousands of dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and he ended up sending me an email saying, hey, um, you know, I'm sorry I didn't support you. And um, yeah, and I was like, yeah, you better be sorry. <laughs> just kidding. That was all on me. Um, <laughs> and here's what Jesus does for you. This is why I share the story. This is what Jesus does for you. Your mistake his fault, your sin, his shattered body, and he takes the blame for your brokenness. And this is what grace is, getting something you don't deserve, but God gives it to us freely. Your mistakes get forgiven, and Jesus takes your mistakes and gives you a new life. He gives you a life of life and not one of death. He wants to give you the life you were created to live with a purpose only made for you, you become who you were made to be, a child of God, loved, beautiful, righteous, justified, and co-heirs with Jesus. This is the beauty of the gospel. It's that your goodness doesn't qualify you. Jesus does. 
Your sinfulness doesn't disqualify you because Jesus, in his sinfulness, stood in your place. Y'all, the gospel message is that a gracious God gave us something we didn't deserve. He gave us a life. How? By sending a man named Jesus, his perfect son, to die on a cross. Why? There had to be a payment for all the bad humanity had done. Because in the words of Paul in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only solution was for someone who was perfect to live a perfect life and do everything God had commanded us to do. No man could do that. And this is why Jesus, he sent Jesus. And this is why God is radically gracious. Because even though there's nothing we can do to make things right in our own doing and are deserving of the punishment, he sent his son. He sent himself in the form of a man to live among us. He knows that you, he knows what you have gone through and has went through it. Still being perfect and then pay the cost for all the bad things that would have disqualified you from having a relationship with God. So that now, when you put your faith in Jesus, he sees you and me as righteous and justified because he sees Jesus in us. That's news to worship to. Because although you aren't good at being good, Jesus is amazing at it. And although you aren't always, and you, although you always will struggle with sin and shame, Jesus never did. And so the point is not to be good. It's to worship the one who is good. The point isn't to become someone who is sinless. It's to worship the one who is sinless. Salt Company, we put our faith in Jesus. We, in that moment, die with him and are resurrected with him. We now have a new identity every single day. We were bought at a price, and God paid that with the perfect blood of his son, Jesus. It was personal. With the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you because Jesus is in you. This has implications, and one of them is that you have the power to fight sin because of Jesus in you. But you have to believe that. Do you believe that? If so, you are called to live accordingly. The same faith you have in the chairs you are sitting in tonight is the same faith you have to have in Jesus, and you will be saved. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as I do, I want you to know that tonight the call for you is to rest. No more trying to be qualified. Jesus has qualified you. You are enough because in the words of Maverick City, he is enough. So put your faith in him. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you so much for the free gift of salvation that you have given us. Thank you so much that you give it to us freely and are excited when we turn from our sinful ways and we come back home like the prodigal son, Father. The, f- the father celebrated and threw a celebration when his son came back home. And that is how you look on us, Father. You love us and you're waiting and anticipating for the day that some of us come home. And for those of us who are already home, Father, pray that we realize and we're reminded tonight that we are free from sin. And Father, I just pray that we look forward in celebration of that. And I pray this in your name. Amen.